There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. It's hot. It's summer. If you've got children, you're wondering how to keep them happy and stay sane. Drive Live Talks Education. We have two guests in the studio with us this afternoon. I want to give a very warm welcome to Susie Jell McShane. He's a principal and head of Raffle Starters. So very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. And we also have Fiona. Fiona, That was really a nice combination of your name there, wasn't it? Fiona McKenzie, who's a director of Gabitas Middle East Education. And Fiona, nice to see you again. Thank you. Good to see you. So today we want to know how you can keep your children happy over the summer because it's a long summer, really. And um, it's important that you keep them active as well uh, during the summer months. It's not just about taking them to lots of fun things it's serious things so Susie you have a, a Montessori uh, early year school in the spring that's a new school um, tell us what your advice would be to parents just initially just with an overview of a plan of what to do over summer to stay sane I would say from the beginning of the year to make sure or work with a plan maybe for the summertime and uh, it's a long summer for such young children and uh, so ha- to have a plan at the beginning of the year to find out what you can do that's not going to cost so much money and what you can do to utilise the many activities that are provided by this um, lovely country that we live in, mm. um, Dubai. It's a, it's a country for children, you know. There's a lot of yeah. things to do for young children, but what comes along with that is the cost yeah. as well. So to have things that you can do in the house with your children as well, spending quality time with them and taking things back to basics uh, with yeah. the young children as well and keeping them occupied in the home as well as out on the beach if the weather permits or in any of the malls and the activities that are going on around Dubai. Because that is something to think about, isn't it? Because we uh, a lot of parents here are used to paying school fees. They'll a lot, you know, term one, I'm going to save up this much to pay this much, term two, term three. And I don't know how many parents actually come to the summer and think, well, I'm no longer paying school fees and that's it. But actually summer holidays can be just as expensive, if not more, if you want to keep your kids engaged. Um, just for people who here who may not have children or maybe have just moved to the UAE and are just getting their head around the education system for their own children, how long are the summer holidays here? How long roughly do they run for? And is it the same for all schools can I ask you that Fiona um yes generally speaking it's about eight weeks for the summer holidays I think last year there was a cracker with 10 weeks um which of course for children is a complete joy everyone's like yippee 10 weeks off school but for most parents it's for like 10 weeks it's a long time (laughs) um so I think Susie's right it's really important to have a bit of a kind of plan and a strategy as to how you're going to map out that summer um I know a lot of families do travel for a bit but obviously you know you maybe have the sad dads here so you you don't want the families to be away the entire summer (laughs) so it's kids have a bit of a kind of action plan I think Now I have to take exception to the term sad dads I know it's not your term Fiona I know it's something that we use so often here in Dubai the sad dads and you know you you see the posters and and the promotions for sad dads you know to come and have a burger because obviously dads can't cook but I think um, you know I wonder, I, I think if most parents were offered a few weeks without their children and a house to themselves, they might be quite delighted. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of fighting against the sad dad term. I think I think you probably probably an element of truth in that, <laughs> and also I think the sad mums too because it's yeah. you know quite often actually the mums. I mean I'm certainly here all summer, so uh, it's not always the sad dads. You're right. Okay, so Susie, I think one of the questions we need to look at is, of course, uh, summer holidays are a, ch- a chance for you to catch up on personal things that you want to do. Sometimes it's a chance to get away, but 
a lot of the time you're doing work too. So it's kind of an ongoing. My mum's a head teacher. Uh, Tim's wife is a teacher. And I know lots of people think teachers close the door. That's it. The bell goes on the last day of term and they think of nothing uh, until it's the first day back at school again in September. And it's not the case. You're very busy. Very busy, yes. Very busy indeed. And there's also an element of the fact that you do some work throughout the summer means when you come back in September, it's not such a shock. But for children, it's often not that way. It isn't that way, unfortunately. Um, To educate parents as well on how to integrate the children into school life or if young children are entering nursery for the first time Mm. or coming into foundation stage for the first time, to have that understanding and knowledge and how to deal with separation anxiety, um, how to prepare the children to come into this environment um, would be extremely beneficial for young children. Um, coaching them in to a school routine at the end yeah. of the summer um, would really benefit the children as well with regards to a new bedtime routine, um, new sleeping pattern, getting them up earlier in the morning. Um, yeah. Dubai offers a very early start to children um, when they go to school. Um, most schools start at 7.30, 8 o'clock. Um, uh- so ch- children come into school or getting up earlier, a lot earlier than what they would do over the summer holiday. So preparing your child that way um, yeah. with regards to getting them ready socially more than academically, really, when they start coming to school. The and is there anything you can do? I don't have any children, but I can imagine, OK, so starting to get up earlier, they're probably going to be a little bit grouchy. Yes. So is there a way that you can maybe make this quite exciting? Is it, you know, oh, well, we've got you a new school uniform and we've got some stationery for, for the term ahead. Are there any sort of tips that you can sort of think of for parents to, to make that sort of transition and, and preparing the child to get ready for September a bit more exciting? That is a very good question because I think it's very individualised, you know. I mean, a lot of families, I believe, don't actually come back to Dubai until a week before they come to school. And then it's a mad rush to Mm. get that uniform and to get that routine put in place before they go back to school. But I would certainly say to parents that are not in Dubai that are enjoying their holidays is to just be mindful of the fact that when they do come back to Dubai, to start getting their children in the mindset that school will be starting pretty soon and start talking about the activities that they're going to be doing when they go to school, start talking about the, the PE lessons and music lessons more so yeah. than the academics because those are the fun areas of the curriculum. And, you know, and getting them prepared mentally for that, uh, that shift that they have to make when they get prepared for their school routines. And, and Fiona, you're nodding your head there. You've been through all of this. You know what it's like to sort of, okay, September's coming. We, you know, we need to get you back into school mode. Do you have any advice for parents? Certainly, been through it with four children of my own, and also being a teacher as well back in back in the past. Um, I think it, it is a bit of a challenge. But actually, I think with older children, sometimes they're quite excited about going back. See um, your mates, don't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. You know, See your yeah. mates again. It's back into that routine again. And actually, as I said, you know, eight to ten weeks can be a really long time. And mm. it's quite easy to get quite bored. Nothing, not there's anything wrong with getting bored in the summer. It's actually I think that's part of the, the joy of having that sort of yeah. extended period of time. It's quite good to kind of get used to dealing with that. But, um, but actually, I think for a lot of older kids, they're really excited about getting back and, and looking forward to it. So I, I think it's absolutely right about the routine, though, certainly with teenagers, trying to get them back into a kind of sleep pattern where they've got to get up at six in the morning that is a challenge and that can be pretty grouchy (laughs) 
Uh, well, I, I can remember my teenage years quite clearly and I'm glad that science now backs up the fact that teenagers do just struggle in the morning and it's true. So I used to say that to my mum and it's proven by science now. So I think teenagers <laughs> should be given a bit of a break because you're growing so much and your brain's doing so much. So I think, you know, we can understand. But, you know, in the holidays, you're used to going to bed late and watching some of your favourite TV shows maybe and talking to your friends because you might be in different parts of the world. You know, lots of children that go to school here, your friends are away, you're away, you're all on different times zone so encouraging them to get back onto Dubai time and, and get back into that routine must be challenging Drive Live Talks Education We have two guests in the studio with us today. We have Susie Jill McShane, who's the principal and head of Raffles Starters. It's a new Montessori early year school in the Springs in Dubai. And Fiona McKenzie, who's the director of Gabitas Middle East. They're education experts that provide information and advice on education, whether it's choosing a school or universities to helping businesses find placements for employees, families. So very warm welcome back to both of you. And we've been talking about the school holidays because it can be quite a challenge for parents. But what we want to look at is what you might want in an ideal world, Susie, when it comes to the school's perspective. How do you want parents to be treating their children over the school holiday? Should it all be about rest or should there be some challenges there as well? You know, the academic year is quite long uh, for children. So it's important that over the summer holidays they do have that time for fun. Mm. Um, In the early years especially, um, personal, social and emotional um, is an area that can be educated wherever they are and whatever they're doing. Yeah, And I would say that is more of a focus in uh, academia uh, when they're on their summer holidays because when the children go into a school at this age to know how to interact with their peers and to interact with um, their teachers, you know, that's giving them a head start. Yeah. Um, so concentrating on the summer um, with regards to personal, social, emotional um, for younger children uh, would benefit them coming in. Um with regards to the academics, in the Montessori um, environment, we have five areas of the curriculum. Um, at the beginning of the year, they focus more on the practical life and the sensorial area. Mm. And that gives the children opportunities to understand the world around them. And it subconsciously teaches them um, how to hold a pencil and how to learn language ready for when they are reading and writing and when they are doing their mathematicals uh, in the classroom. And a lot of those activities that are in the classroom with regards to practical life as sensorial, they are transferable. Uh, Maria Montessori, the founder of the Montessori program, she actually made these uh, activities. Yeah. And they can actually be made in this day and age as well. They're not hard to um, translate into the home. So if you are thinking, I'm trying to think when it was a school holidays and I grew up in Manchester and it rained quite a lot um, and I would go down to my uh, nine's house who lived in North Wales and when it was wet there wasn't much to do on a farm because it was quite slippy. So we'd do things like bake. Um, I'd learn how to bake a cake. I can remember how to bake a cake off the top of my head now. I could do it in front of us. We used to learn how to make peppermint creams and dip them in chocolate. Is doing activities like that that are practical with your hands, with numbers, is that part of a Montessori approach? Oh, 100%. Yes, it's back to basics. Um, you know, um, practical things in life, and that's what the, the area of the curriculum is all about. Cooking is a great thing to do with young children. Um, they absolutely adore cooking. Mm. They're subconsciously learning to develop their muscles in their arms and their hands, ready to when they start writing. Um, 
looking after plants in the home as well, you know, caring for the plants, caring for their environment, mimicking their parents as well. Yeah. Um, it's a good thing for young children to do. And and uh, we we was talking about this earlier on, about how you can do role play and associate those role play to stories. Like we were talking about a game uh, with regards to Cinderella and one big sister playing the uh, wicked stepmom. Yeah. And then the other one playing the Cinderella and in those skills, they're learning how to bake, they're learning to be independent, they're learning how to clean the house, you know, and it's all done in a, in a very fun, interactive way yeah. uh, with their siblings as well or their friends. You know, so doing all those things in the summer holiday, um, I think it do wonders for their independence and their confidence as well. Fiona, perhaps we can talk about um, slightly older children because obviously it's a different kettle of fish when you've got teenagers, 14, 15, 16, hanging around the house. And, you know, we had some really nice ideas there from Susie with regard to how you can keep a young child's brain involved with things like exactly that baking and drawing and things like that. But an older child, how are you going to keep them away from the PlayStation? You know, there was a report out this week, we were talking about the newsroom earlier, that UAE children spend something along the lines of 56 hours a week on their on their smartphones and devices that must be a, a, a you know really tough to stop teenagers doing things like that so so what can what can parents of teenagers do to make sure that their teenagers stay engaged during the school holidays it is a challenge um, and it is also really important that teenagers do keep their brains kind of ticking over over the summer holidays because actually for lots of them they're going to be coming back into quite a heavy academic program um, so I think there's all sorts of things and it doesn't have to be boring it doesn't have to be sort of you know writing essays and work you know things like going back to kind of good old-fashioned fun things like card games um, actually playing card games you're picking up all sorts of skills you're picking up teamworking you're picking up numerical skills you're picking up observational skills so things like you know racing demons or patience those sorts of things can be can be really good fun and good family activities board games things like risk um, you know when you're kind of picking up information about geopolitical risks really mm. good opportunities to have conversations with your children about the different countries in the world and what the politics of those situations are so there's all sorts of sort of soft sell ways that I think you can help your teenagers keep their brains active if you're really brave you can take on Monopoly but not every family <laughs> dynamic is up for that you don't yeah not all families come out alive of Monopoly no. what was it like when you were growing up Rosanna were you sort of quite into doing different activities with your family was it quite heavily activity based yeah on holidays it would be yeah. you know if we we used to take a cottage down in the countryside in England just a bit similar to your summer holidays you know and we'd take down board games and cards and things because there'd be no television uh, but it's a lot harder when you're sitting I remember sitting over my sisters uh, during the school holidays when we were teens and occasionally our parents would send us to a sort of summer camp at the local leisure centre where we could kind of get out some physical energy and ass assertion that way um, and actually last week on the show we had a lady in who's developed a course called the Early MBA, which runs throughout the summer here in Dubai. And it's for teenagers and young adults to basically um, work out what their career profession might be and to get engaged with that and prepare them for university applications, etc. But that's really a, probably quite a small percentage of uh, young adults who are probably keen on doing something like that and parents who have the resources to do so, right? Absolutely. And it's, and it's great if you can do some of those things. And we've got lots of families who are on summer programmes, and particularly actually in the UK at the moment. Some of them are doing pre-university plans. So, you know, they might be having a dabble with international 
relations to see if that's a subject they might want yeah. to consider studying later on. So it is a good opportunity to to use this long summer break to do some um, sort of research like that. But as you say, it's not cheap, and actually you certainly can't do that for the entire summer. So I think it's a question of breaking it up with, you know, like we said at the beginning, having a bit of a plan, having yeah. some downtime, having some planned activities, and and certainly in terms of kind of keeping your your brain ticking over it's things like reading books. You know, I know it sounds old fashioned on your Kindle doesn't matter, but there are some really good classic books out there which children could be could be reading at the moment. Reading aloud to your children, you know, even in their kind of you know late you know preteen years, yeah, they're very happy to sit down and listen to you read a book. And it's again, it's that lovely kind of family activity. It means you can read a book. I don't know, maybe like Wind in the Willows, which is a bit of a sort of traditional book. All ages, child, yeah. yeah, might not pick up naturally, but actually, if you make that part of that kind of family together time, then actually that can be really good as well. That's a really nice suggestion, actually. If you've got older siblings, to have them reading to the younger ones too is quite nice. Now, Susie, when it comes to homework policies, um, obviously you're talking about early years, which is slightly different. But what's your approach as an educator when it comes to homework? Because you think lots of schools believe that children should be given hours of homework every night to demonstrate to parents that they're pushing their children. People here pay a lot of money for education. So some schools have a policy of lots of homework. Other schools have a policy of not so much homework and some have a complete ban over the summer. What would your position be in terms of keeping children active? Is homework a necessary evil over the sort of long summer holidays? I think there's other aspects of homework that we need to look at as well, where we're giving the children the opportunity to be independent in their Mm. learning um, we're helping them be responsible um, by keeping to deadlines because when they go to university, they're going to have these deadlines that they have to keep to. They're going to have essays that they have to write and they have to be in a certain time, otherwise they're the danger of failing. So in the school, it's basically getting them ready for you know, those demands as they grow older um, in their education as well. But in the early years, um, now... Homework is not mandatory in the early years. However, when they reach the end of the early years programme, which would be FS2, we sort of integrate it into the term three. Yeah. Um, Because we want to give the children and the families the opportunity to have that quality time with their children at home and to understand uh, at what level of learning the children are on. Um, Even from year one, to have the parents involved in home learning with the children so they can actually see what level their children are working on and they haven't got to wait for those parent-teacher conferences to come up or those um, end-of-term reports to be delivered to them. They actually get the opportunity to find out what their children need to learn and where they are against that programme that they're working with. And I think by doing homework at home, sometimes it can be stressful for children um, to keep to deadlines. Um, children are very individual and as schools and educators, we need to address that. Yeah. So I think it's very important that homework is differentiated um, with the children uh, for their social skills as, as well as their academic skills because not all children can cope with deadlines. So it's helping them prepare for that as well. So homework, I think, is, is quite broad yeah, it's not just focused on the academics. I feel, however, it does help. It gives the children chance to catch up on the learning if they've had some absent days away. Um, it helps them to have that quality time, like I say, with their parents or their siblings, and to interact through their academics that way as well. So I think it's quite broad, and I think it's a good thing to have. But I also think as well, it, there shouldn't be that many demands on homework. I mean, at the end of the day. 
that's what schools are there for, right? Yeah. To educate the children within that curriculum time. And Fiona, very interested to get your perspective on this, both as an educator, but also as mum. It's such a thorny issue, isn't it? I mean, mm. I do remember the, the daily battle with the children to get their homework done. You know, you can't watch television until you've done your homework. And it really was, with four of them, it was yeah. just ongoing. Um, so part of me as a parent was like, I really wish the homework thing didn't exist. And I think they did too, because it just yeah. became a bit of a battleground. But equally, you know, it is important, particularly as they get older, it's really important that, they, that there's no room to do everything that they need to do in the curriculum time, particularly when they're approaching kind of exam time. Um, so, And it is important that they do learn those independent study skills, which come from, from being you know doing doing homework and things but uh, it's just a balance I think it's getting it right. As educators could you give us a sense of um, just how big the problem is when you've got first day back at school I'm assuming sometime in September here and the children walk into the classroom and you know you said you were a teacher once before and you, you both have a huge experience in schools. Do children come in bouncing again again it's probably an age thing young versus old older children here but do they come bouncing in ready to learn excited to see their friends or are they sort of sloping in dragging their dragging their lunch boxes behind them what's been your experience Susie? Well in the early years the first day is a great experience for the children it's when they realize it's a routine and they've got to do it daily. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> That's when they, we start um, experiencing children suffering from the anxiety Mm. Uh, you know, the separation anxiety from the parents, especially when they're new to Dubai as well. So they've, they're in a new country, they're in a new house and they're, they're in a new school with a new teacher, new friends. Um, but we don't get many of those, to be honest, at the beginning of the year. We have a lot of children returning. And yes, they're excited to come in at the beginning and the first day or the, first, the second day. But when they know they've got to come back the second week, um, that's when things can start to be a bit of a challenge for them because, again, they're getting used to that routine again, you know, of getting up early. So mm. that's all a factor as well. Reality certainly does start yeah. to set in once you realise it's not just meeting friends <laughs> uh, up the road from your house for a couple of hours a day. We have two guests in the studio for Drive Live Talks Education. Susie Jill McShane, who's a principal and head of Raffle Starters, and Fiona McKenzie, who's a director of Gabatas Middle East. Now, we've been talking uh, just a few seconds ago, Rosanna, about a story that you'd seen about music in schools here in the region. That's right, NLT. Uh, this is a story that's been published today, and it's quite it just caught my eye because it's, it's just a slightly different angle on things. The headlines actually, music studies are not striking a chord with Dubai pupils. But really, when you look deeper into it, basically, there's a report from Dubai's education regulator, who is, of course, the Knowledge and Human Development Authority. They have found that 20% of pupils play a musical instrument at least three times a week in schools here. But that might sound quite a lot, but it compares to 34% in the UK, according to the Royal Schools of Music in London. So Dubai schools, you could say, are lagging a little bit behind on music lessons as things like STEM top STEM subjects are being pushed to the fore mm. and people are maybe not putting as much emphasis and, and focus on music but of course music is very important and uh, there's a couple of uh, interesting points to, through this article about the important effect that music can have. It's a stimulus obviously it keeps children very engaged, uh, getting them to learn how to read music and just pick up an instrument and start playing it. It has a lot of associative skills. So during the break there I was just talking to our two guests and uh, we, we were saying that actually during the summer holidays it can be a great thing to do to start learning an instrument, can't it, Fiona? 
It is, absolutely. In fact, I, and we co-wrote an article, I wrote an article recently for Emirates Education about kind of keeping your brain active over the summer. And I had a lovely teenager, Alessia Macedon, who contributed for me. And one of the things she said she was going to do this summer was to learn a new instrument. She, she was going to pick up the ukulele. And it is a great ukulele. time. The ukulele, absolutely. Super easy. You can probably do it in your bedroom, can't you? It's only a little instrument. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of guidance on, online as to how you can do it in YouTube videos and things. And alongside that, she was going to set up a YouTube video, a YouTube channel as well of her own. So two lovely kind of activities that you can do but the music thing is so important because it's all sorts of different brain activities that it's bringing in a different coordination skills as well so a lovely thing to do over the summer if you can. Susie how does music form part of the Montessori curriculum? It's quite big in Montessori uh, music a lot of things are done through rhyme um, through the curriculum especially uh, phonic awareness and so we do a lot of songs in the classroom um, and to help the children with that confidence as well we do a lot of concerts with the young children as well. So it's very integrated into the curriculum itself. But I was just going to say when you were talking about summer activities with music, um, I remember when I was younger, we used to do Christmas, uh, sorry, uh, kitchen music <laughs> uh, where we're banging the pots and pans and we're singing along to the songs on the radio but making our own instruments out of the pots and pans and the wooden spoons that are in the kitchen. And that's an always f- uh, fun thing to do with such young children. They absolutely adore doing that. Anything to do with making as much noise as possible surely is, um, you know, it's great when you're a child. And one thing I wanted to touch on as well is all about um, parents here can be quite, you don't have possibly the same support network you might at home where you have family and friends that you can talk to and have a very genuine and real conversation about education. I think lots of people are influenced by being parts of uh, social media groups to do with education. So when it comes to attainment, you're thinking, well, I'm not sure if my angel is doing quite as well as they should do in reading or writing or math. And and lots of people feel like they need to maybe get someone a tutor, their child a tutor for the summer. Is that something, Susie, that you would agree with a child having a, a tutor over the summer to make sure they are at the right place when September rolls around? Maybe for the older children, um, if they had their end of year report and it did state on the report that the children are still emerging into the curriculum they've just left, mm. then yes, I would recommend it because you you don't want to set your child up to fail in a year group that they're going into. So to give them those opportunities to learn different skills that are going to help them in the next year group when they go back, it really would benefit them. And I know there's a lot of uh, companies in Dubai that do these tutoring sessions over holidays. Um, so I think maybe this would be a great thing for some parents to look at if they feel that their children are lagging behind slightly maybe in the curriculum and they might find that they will have challenges going up to the next year group. That would certainly help the children to gain more confidence to come back to school in September in, in like we were saying, the challenges of the new New, the new year. Is that something you would also um, endorse, Fiona, uh, looking into tutors? And also, how do you go about assessing quality of tutors here in the UAE? Um, I think definitely it is something that some parents would want to investigate. And I think exactly as Susie says, you know, if there are some gaps in, in the knowledge, then then that's that's valid to, to want to try and improve those so that the child starts gets off to a flying start the following September. I think um, Natalie's right too. I think a lot of parents here are quite sort of wobbly about the education. Are oh, my children doing as well? And particularly when they've maybe been home in the summer and they've listened to all their friends and what their children are doing. Um, and that can be quite unnerving. We get a lot of inquiries when people come back from the summer holidays that saying, oh, I 
I don't know. Should we stay here? Should we go back? You know, what should we do? And actually, we have a, a really good test called the UCASET test, which actually benchmarks children against their British peer group. So you can actually see exactly where your child sits in relation, which can be very reassuring for yeah. some parents just to kind of understand. Actually, it's fine. We're completely OK. But if we're not, then actually let's identify where those areas are and see what support we can put in place to kind of make sure that that child is, is kind of up to speed. Okay, we have a couple of minutes left. Now, I'm going to put you both on the spot here and give us your top tips over summer in terms of what parents should be doing to give their kids everything we've sort of talked about, a break, a bit of breathing space, but also to keep them engaged enough so September's not too much of a shock. I'll start with you, Susie. What would be your top tips uh, as someone who is getting the children back in September for parents to do as best they can? I would say to start looking earlier for a bedtime routine. Okay. Um, I know it's easy, especially in this weather, where it's too hot in the day to do anything, and most people go out during the evening times. And children tend not to get to bed till about 10, half past 10 at night during the holidays. And during the holidays, it's not such a bad thing because they've got that lying in the morning to catch up on their sleep. But when it comes to them having to get up yeah, 5, 30, 6 o'clock, um, 10 o'clock bedtime is not appropriate. And so they do need to start going to bed a lot earlier. So looking at getting into that routine sooner rather than later, it would really help the parents as well as the child because it won't be so challenging for them when it comes to September 2nd when they do have to get up at that time and come to school. So I'd say that would be number one for me. Okay, Um, it's just we often do this. I know I'm guilty of it. If I've got a few days leave, I'll probably get the flight that gets me in the night before I have to come back to work to maximise my (laughs) holiday. So probably come back earlier is another one that you both mentioned. Fiona, um, what would be your top tip? Um, I think uh, read, get children to do some reading over the holidays, um, whether that's kind of academic reading or just reading for fun, which would probably be my preference. Um, play games with them, get them to do um, you know, card games, play capture the flag, do beach rounders, whatever it is. Um, don't leave the holiday work till the last week because that is just stress all round for everybody. So try and get that done a little bit in advance. Um, listen to podcasts. There are some amazing podcasts out there for all ages of children. If you're doing long car journeys and things when you're traveling, get into podcasts. Um, and my favorite story this week was um, a mum in the UK who was so fed up with her son sitting on a screen. She packed them into the boot of her car with their two bikes and a packed lunch, drove off, dumped them somewhere in the middle of nowhere and said, find your way home. <laughs> and the boys, when they got back, said it was the best day they'd had in years so simple pleasures hey yes there's a lot to be said big thank you to our two guests today fiona mckenzie who you just heard there director of gabitas middle east thank you so much for coming in again fiona great to see you lovely thank you very much for having me and thank you to Susie jill mcshane who's a principal and head of raffle starters thank you for coming in today Susie. thank you for having me and best of luck when september comes around thank you very much that's (laughs) it for drive live talks education for this week there's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.